He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. And this is a TriCast. A broadcast out of WABC Radio, 770 on your dial, WABCradio.com, and also WLIR in Long Island, and 970 AM, The Answer. And again, thank God it's Friday, but we only have Democrats working today. All the Republicans are not here. We have Judge Richard Weinberg and Governor David Patterson. I mean, why are the Republicans never here on Friday? Something we said? I don't understand. I don't know. Did you use deodorant and everything already? <laughs> I shaved, I showered, I'm ready to go. All right. And my sidekick, Lydia Serrani, isn't it a beautiful day? Look at the sun is shining. It is so Judge gorgeous Weinberg, today. have you noticed that there's a halo around uh, John Katzmatidis and also Lydia Serrani? That I'm in the sun. Absolutely. They're in the yeah, sun. So if they go to the stream, this is a see big, later. This is a big night because I want to announce that I've started the campaign for David Patterson, the lieutenant governor of the state of New York. Oh, oh no. Oh, lieutenant governor. <laughs> Why not just the governor again? <laughs> okay, governor again. Okay. David, uh, we accept. Lydia, so we, we have, have a great show. I'm Fantastic ready. show. So we're going to be speaking with Ed Cox, the chairman. He's going to give us the latest on what's going on with the Democrats trying to make this entire state totally Democrat socialist. Then we'll also be talking to Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana. He's a he's very prolific and talks a lot about what's going on with China. We'll talk to Vita Facello. He's the borough president of Staten Island. Dr. Peter Mikolos, the latest medical advancement. But first on the line, we have Miranda Devine. I spoke to her. Uh, actually, I spoke to her a short time ago. We talked about the border crisis that is spiraling out of control. Take a listen. line for us right now is uh, New York Post fame columnist Miranda Devine. She's also the author of the best-selling book, Laptop from Hell. Miranda Devine, what do you have for us? I saw your latest article about the border crisis just getting worse. Another flight secretly into Westchester County. What do you know? Look, these flights, these migrant flights from the border are coming in thick and fast uh, lately. The last um, last uh, five or six days, we've had almost every night there's been a flight. And the only difference between the flights now and the flights that were coming in uh, last October when we first started reporting on this phenomenon is that um, back then they were flying in at one and two in the morning after the midnight curfew there at the White Plains Airport. Uh, they st- After the publicity, and there was a lot of negative publicity when we broke that story, um, the plane stopped going to to um, White Plains for a while, but they kicked up again uh, early this year in February and uh, were coming in about two or three a week. Uh, but really, over Easter, there was one almost every night. And the last part of this people smuggling operation, because that's what it is, human trafficking, the last leg of that is paid for by the American taxpayer. It's facilitated by the Biden administration as they fly people from the Texas border and from the Arizona border all over the country. And they're doing it in the dead of night because they're secreting these people in communities while while people are asleep and they have no idea, uh, the schools are not ready, the um, the hospitals are not ready. I mean, you were talking about 2.5 million people that have crossed the border since Joe Biden became president. That is a third of the size of New York. It seems like an invasion at this point. We don't know who these people are. 
they could be sex traffickers. We know that Border Patrol, they caught 23 uh, people that were on the terrorist suspect list. But God only knows how many were gotaways and got in and got into the country and and drugs. We know the fentanyl is out of control. Why do you think you, you wrote a book about the Biden family? Why do you think President Biden is allowing this? Lydia, you're right. And in fact, the latest figures from Customs and Border Protection is that there were 42 uh, suspected terrorists who crossed the border and were apprehended. And that doesn't count all the ones that crossed the border and were not apprehended. We don't know who has come into the country. This is a ticking time bomb. And to have Jen Psaki, the White House Press Secretary this week, just stand up at the podium and sneer at people asking her questions about these suspected terrorists and saying, oh, it's no big deal because it's such a tiny proportion of the two and a half million that have crossed the border. Well, yes, but it's still a big problem. It didn't. It was, I think, 19 uh, terrorists who uh, crossed the border and, and uh, committed 9-11. So uh, it, it doesn't take more than one or two to create mayhem in this country. And for, for this just complete lack of concern from the administration, it's really baffling. I guess they are just living in the moment and they don't really have an eye on winning the, the midterm elections. Uh, they're not making any efforts to um, recalibrate or change their electorally poisonous policies, uh, you know, whether it be on inflation or gas prices, uh, whether it be on... Uh, on on immigration. I mean, people do not like this. When they find out uh, what's going on, that the southern border is being completely overrun, that the border officials are doing nothing but process these people, they can't do anything proactive to stop drugs and to stop terrorists and and sex uh, fiends from crossing the border because they're just there babysitting. It doesn't seem to me that it's about compassion. Because if we really wanted to help these people, we would help them in their own country. And as President, then President Barack Obama said back when he, he said, this is not sustainable. This is not sustainable. It costs tens of thousands of dollars to house them, to give them medical care, to give them to eat. Who, who's going to pay for all of this? We are. Of course we are. Well, no, it's not compassion. But this is uh, one of the totems of the left, and it's around the world. It's in Europe. It's in Australia. It's in America. The left is all about open borders and destroying, basically destroying the idea of the nation state. And uh, you know that they are anti-American patriotism, American exceptionalism. They're anti-borders. And for the Democrats, Uh, You know, this allegation has been made and I can't see any reason why it's not feasible that the Democrats know that if they bring in illegal migrants, they are going to have at least for a generation loyal Democrat voters because you you know the people coming across. uh, They know who Joe Biden is. They know that the reason that they're getting to come across to America and to the land of milk and honey and to a much better life than they had in their broken down home countries They know that that is because of Joe Biden. So they're going to be grateful to him. They're going to vote Democrat. And the Democrats are losing um, their, their, you know, their hold on the Hispanic community has pretty much collapsed. And even on the black community, you saw during the Trump administration that there was an increasing uh, number of uh, percentage of black voters who were voting Republican. And so as uh, the, the Democrats become more and more, especially on social issues, more radical, more left-wing, more Marxist. 
they're losing more traditional voters and people who believe in the family and traditional values. And that's particularly in the Hispanic community. And so, of course, the only solution for the Democrats, because they don't want to change their policies to make them more in accord with what Americans want, they want to change the electorate by bringing in, importing uh, new voters who will just do what they're told and just be warm bodies that can tick uh, tick a box on a ballot paper. Until they have to pay taxes themselves, and then they tend to vote a Republican. Once you're receiving free services, yeah, it's great to be a Democrat, but then this is all about power and control, correct? This is why this is happening. Our country's being invaded. It's all about power and control. It's using American taxpayer dollars to lavish uh, and to to expand the welfare state so that when you have illegal migrants and you have an underclass and you have a drug-addicted drug population um, that are completely helpless, completely dependent on the state, you control them utterly and therefore you control their vote. And so it's not really uh, about having free and fair elections anymore. Well, thank you so much, Miranda Devine of the New York Post, and always keep telling the truth. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Lydia. Wow, uh, Lydia, you did a terrific job oh, in that you. interview. I, it is scary, though, that they want the to be the Americans to be drug addicted and controlled. And what do you think they're trying to pack the country? They're, they're judge, they're packing the country. They're absolutely they're packing, packing the, the country. country. Right, and they had a choice of packing the court or packing the country, and they thought maybe they get away with it, packing the country. And rather than adjust their policies in accordance with what most Americans want, they said, you know what, we'll just bring in more voters. Because as long as we're supporting them, the welfare system, then they're going to vote for Democrats. It's a legal, legal way of buying their votes. You don't enforce the border and you buy their votes. What's it going to take? And let me ask you. And you don't let in Ukrainians uh, because they, might, they hate socialism and they say hate communism and they might vote the wrong way. John, what's it going to take for the Democrats to wake up and realize we need to secure our borders? I, I think the common sense Democrats are realizing uh, David Patterson, how many common sense senators do you think are saying to Joe Biden, don't don't screw up the borders even more? I believe 10 to 15. That's a lot. And maybe even more than that. I think, you know, as is usually the case, you try to be loyal to the president of, of the same party. But the problem is that it's a third of these yeah. people have to have to run in November. And that's going to be really difficult because the die is cast. What does Larry w- Kudlow w- say? The w- cavalry is coming? Yeah. Where's the cavalry? Oh, no. I shouldn't have brought this up. <laughs> it's Friday. We need a little Well, bit. okay. Oh, I want, I, since we have Governor David Patterson here while we wait for Ed Cox, I want you to hear what Hulk Newsom, who is the co-founder of the BLM chapter here in New York, what he had to say about Mayor Eric Adams. Take a listen. I want your Let's reaction. Let's get back to Eric Adams. This, this, this mayor who spews, who is a Democrat, but he spews conservative and Republican talking points. At the end of the day, we have a name for someone like this. And this is someone we call a coon, right? Because of, Whoa. he's a I never heard that black word, man. Coon. What's a coon? He's a white man in blackface and a very conservative-minded white man at that. So what we have is a man with man hundreds of people on the city's payroll, Billions of dollars in budget and 40,000. You know what? I'm done with him. Okay. Governor Patterson. Well, a coon is really effectively using the N word. Whoa. You know, that's. I I agree, David. That's how. That's how devastating. Are you shocked by that? that? These were words that were used against black people by white people 
in very derogatory situations. See, my thing is that whatever his name is, he can't get on the media without Eric Adams. Eric Adams can get on the media without him, but he can't get on the media without saying something about Eric Adams. So this actually ignites. It's the catalyst for this horrible conversation um, that that he's engaging in. Also, um, what Eric Adams is trying to do is to lower the crime rate. Crime is rampant in this city, and the same kind of work that Eric Adams did is the same, same type that uh, Mayor David Dingens did when he had 6,000 new police officers brought in in a federal program known as Safe Streets, Safe Cities. And Ray Kelly's been on this show talking about it. So I don't see why uh, Eric Adams has to undergo this criticism. But what I really respect and admire about Eric Adams is that he knew that this kind of antagonism would come, and he said it anyway. And there are not many mayors of this city who have ever challenged their own base. It didn't happen to Mayor Giuliani. It didn't happen to Mayor Koch. It's happening to Mayor Adams, which really shows, I think, not only insightfulness as a leader, but visionary leadership, that you will put yourself out there, even if it means, it means you're going to be insulted. Can I respectfully, so I'm, very, David, I'm proud of you. Governor, can I respectfully dissent from Judge, that? Go ahead. I don't think that the Black Lives Matter crew, Eric Adams' base, I think it's the common sense, moderate people who want a livable city who are Eric Adams' base. The Black Lives Matter are the radical left. They were never Eric Adams' base. Adams won because he was contrary to that. Yeah, Your Honor, I I think what you said is absolutely right. But what I'm saying is there are, especially because of the publication of this, there are people whose consciousness level is a little lower and they will really feel that he's being attacked from the black community, even though what you said is right. The, 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 most of these people probably didn't even vote at all. And the only reason they raise money is to buy beautiful houses. So well, when I don't know who they this, are yeah. coming here telling the mayor what he's doing wrong. But, right. but you're, you're right about who voted for him. Well, Hawk Newsom, when he was specifically asked, what do you think about BLM buying mansions? They just bought a $6 million one, and, you know, they're the only ones living up in it. It was a white mansion in a white neighborhood. He had no response. And he also said that Mayor Adams talking about BLM was deflection. It's a fact. Yeah. It's well, a fact. Let's, let's move on. And I understand Ed Cox is going to come on any minute now. And why don't we start talking about it? Uh where are we with the redistricting and the un- some of the uh, redistricting that the Rep- Republicans feel was uh, not fair, and some of the Democrats felt a little etsy getsy. I mean, so so so. so. Uh, where do we start, uh, uh, Judge? All right. Uh, the decision was issued last night by the uh, appellate division of the of the Supreme Court. They found that it was. Uh, a partisan gerrymander was unconstitutional under the 2014 state constitutional amendments on the congressional lines. So the congressional lines are the ones that were set aside by, by the appellate division. The assembly lines and the state senate lines are untouched by this decision. The uh, parties have till noon on Saturday to appeal. I, I predict there will be an appeal because these are complicated issues. There'll be an appeal. Now, what did the what did the uh, that court say that last night that the congressional elections were unfair? The congressional lines should be changed, the, the un- but the assembly ones were fair. 
they, they didn't say they're fair. They said that uh, they were uh, they didn't violate any of the provisions of the 2014 uh, state constitutional amendment. That's what they said. Governor, what do you think? I I think it's interesting. It's almost political that they left the state senate lines alone and put out the congressional lines so that the legislature was somewhat appeased by that. I don't see how the how the type of way the the lines were drawn was any different in the case of the congressional representatives uh, as opposed to state senate. Do, do you, Your Honor? No, I I agree with the governor. I think. The, uh, the assembly lines were partially drafted. I think the uh, state senate lines were partially drafted. I think the congressional lines were partially drafted. Yeah. But, the, but given the intricacies and the difficulties of the judicial process, we may never get a hey, resolution would on you the legislative mind, lines. Uh, if I just threw something in about the last subject we talked about, I, I didn't say anything about this last week, but I feel I need to say something about it now. Eric Adams, the mayor, went to a... Black and Hispanic and Asian caucus weekend that they have every year. And he went into an event and was booed. And I think a lot of that came from the fact that, believe it or not, these way left radical kind of activist um, attacks are actually making some of these legislators think that Adams isn't doing a good job. And that's why I said what I said, because you'd be surprised, uh, uh, Your Honor, how much this is seeping into not the counterculture, but the culture itself. I think it's very troubling yeah. that, that yeah. the left wing of the Democratic Party and uh, you and I are House Democrats with old fashioned, common sense, centrist Democrats. It's very unfortunate that our party has been taken over by a radical fringe that dominate the party and uh, there was a column a couple of weeks ago by Dan Henninger of the Wall Street Journal, and he said the Democrats have earned the right to have their party destroyed because they're allowing this to happen. Where are the common sense Democrats to stand up and protect the public and have fair and reasonable policies? Well, you have uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis trying to protect parents. We can hit that breaking hit the breaking news. Breaking news, WABC. He just signed the bill to revoke Disney's special tax status. So that's a big deal. It just it just went can, through. Can Disney uh, uh, appeal it to, and to anybody? They, it, well, they can challenge this law in. Uh, they in deserve court. it. They deserve that's, it. I right. feel bad for the they stockholders. Deserve they, they deserve, deserve it. it. No, the I'm, stock went from one ninety down to one eighteen, and the board of directors, which is quasi woke, quasi well, full on. Well, woke. the board of directors did it to the shareholders. You're right. And the, man- and the managers who came up with these crazy ideas, how they're trying to indoctrinate kids with their programming. Right. 50% of the programming has got to be woke, sexually oriented. You go woke, programs. you go broke. Yeah. Listen to me. I think we're, we're going to have to wait till Monday or Tuesday. Is the, uh, the appeals court going to come in Monday or Tuesday? Or well, Wednesday? We have to find out if anybody's filing the, uh, the application to appeal. I'm advised that what's going to happen is both sides are going to go up to try to get to the Court of Appeals. I'm also advised that the Court of Appeals has already indicated to the parties that they'll rely on the briefs that were filed below, and any supplements would be by, by a letter. So I anticipate that, yes, it's going to be in the Court of Appeals within, uh, within days Governor, next week. I, I agree. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, there'll be a Court of Appeals decision because they've got to get this done before the primary. That's absolutely right. I think it'll be let's, delayed till August. Let's take – oh. Sorry. Uh, 
Let's take a break. Oh, oh the primary? Let's yeah. take a break. And who are we going to Well, we only have with? one more decision. This should actually happen next week. Okay, let's hope so. So coming up, we are going to be speaking with Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana. He is a ranking member of the House Committee on Armed Services. He's going to talk about China and what the heck is going on there. And we'll be right back. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. Right now on the line for us is Congressman Jim Banks. He's the ranking member of the House Committee on Armed Services. And he's a ranking member, ranking member on several other committees as well. He's very prolific when it comes to the Chinese Communist Party. Welcome to Cats at Night, Congressman Banks. Hey, good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Tell us, what the heck is going on in the Pacific? Well, uh, there's a lot going on. All of a sudden, it feels like the world has been turned upside down. Of course, you know, all the attention has been on Ukraine and Russia. But the big takeaway from that is that our greatest adversary, the biggest enemy that America faces today economically and militarily is the Chinese Communist Party. And they're watching every move. They've been watching every weak move by President Biden and his administration in Ukraine, and they're, they're taking notes. They're taking notes of how soft and weak the Biden administration has been toward Russia, and they understand that if, if America couldn't deter Russia from invading Ukraine, uh, then w- with this administration, there's little, uh, there's little to believe that we have much in the way of, of deterring uh, China from obtaining their ultimate goal, which is to invade and take over Taiwan as well. So that that's what many of us are focused on in Washington right now. How can we how can we hold him off? If if, if Biden is going to continue to be weak, what can Congress do? And uh, you hear a lot about the, the the porcupine strategy. That means giving Taiwan everything that they need so that they can fight back as a deterrent uh, to to China invading. And uh, that's what a lot of us are focused on doing right now. Give them everything that it takes to do that. Now, how many? Uh, I heard that a bunch of U.S. senators went to. Uh... Uh, Taiwan this week? Was it true? Um, several did, and, and several have been going. Um, uh, the, the administration, uh, from time to time, tries to back members of Congress from going on, going to uh, Taiwan. It, it, it rattles uh, China and the, the leadership of the, the CCP every time it happens, which I say is a good thing. Um, you, know, it, you have to remember here, uh, when, when, uh, when bullies... Uh, do what they do when they when they threaten and harass and and uh, and and strike out. You don't you don't back down to them. You 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 you, you go right back at them. And in this case, the CCP and Chairman Xi are the biggest bullies in the world. So, and what they're recognizing with America is that with Joe Biden in the White House, uh, they have someone that they 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 don't take seriously. They don't they don't take American leadership seriously. So they continue to bully. That's not what we had for four years when Donald Trump was in was in the White House. Donald Trump was the toughest president that we ever had when it came to holding China accountable and push, pushing back and not letting a China bully America and the rest of the world around. So it's a, it's a whole different uh, opposite situation today, and uh, it makes me sick to my stomach that that's what we're dealing with, is, is the weakest uh, commander-in-chief that we've had certainly in my lifetime, if not um, in, in several generations in the White House, not, not equipped and not ready to, to push back and and uh, and stop China from doing uh, what we all expect them imminently to do, and that's to to inch toward taking over Taiwan. Congressman, uh, this is David Patterson. I'm sure you're aware of this, but I don't know that all the listeners are. That in 1998, uh, President Xi 
talked about uh, communist, the Communist Party dominating the world by the year 2049. And he then made a similar speech in 2018 that you could go on a website and hear it, except that the Chinese government would want to know who you are and where you, you know, where the, you know, you're listening to this from. And this danger, uh, I'm, I'm just happy to see that people are finally waking up to it. Because meanwhile, in our country, the Communist Party um, is being, uh, in a sense, evident, particularly with the amount of money that's given to colleges and universities, so that when somebody starts talking against them, they basically don't get to speak. So in other words, they're starting to even abridge the free speech in this country the same way they are in their own. Uh, it's, so, it's so true, Governor. I mean, this is why I tell everyone you, you've got to read Michael Pillsbury's 100-Year Marathon because he makes this case more, he articulates this case better than anybody that I've ever seen. Uh, the, the book is so important. It's a pivotal read when it comes to understanding China's end goal of, of becoming the hegemonic power and dominating not just the United States of America, but the rest of the world. To do to, to, do to the United States what they've done to Hong Kong, to their own, uh, their own people, the Uyghur Muslim population and, and others, if they can, if they can, they understand that if they can, if they can dominate our economy and dominate us militarily, then they can keep us under their thumb. And we can, we can never allow them to do that. And that, that, that you're, you're exactly right. If anything, COVID was a wake up. If there's any silver lining of COVID, so that COVID was a wake up call for America to understand this, this threat that we face. And uh, it's, it, it, unfortunately we have a president now in the white house who's asleep at the wheel when it comes to if the president, uh, Congressman, if the president was listening and you were standing next to him in the Oval Office, what would you ask him to do? Get tough. Talk tough and uh, back it up with actions. Uh, instead, the Biden administration has unraveled a number of of uh, tough uh, 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 reforms that the Trump administration put into place. Everything from uh, a, a very important FBI program to go after chi- uh, communist China uh, espionage in the United States. Um, go, go back to the go back to what Trump uh, attempted to do in negotiating trade deals that put American workers over the interest of of, uh, of Chinese workers and of, of the of, of China's uh, uh, political interests. So that, that's what we've got to get back to. I, I hope I sincerely hope that the 2024 presidential election, no matter who runs on either side of the aisle, is all about this subject. What are we going to do to confront China, to compete with China and to beat China? in the next generation so that America can't control our own destiny rather than China controlling our destiny. Congressman, Congressman, up for that. yeah, Congressman Banks, John, you know, Katsimatidis, we talk about this all the time. Every move that President Biden seems to make, America loses and somebody else wins, usually our adversary. At this point, does a question run in your mind, is the president compromised? Because there, there just seems to be no other reasoning behind why he is making all of these decisions. It, I, I, the, the, the Hunter Biden laptop that they told us was Russian propaganda before the 2020 election. Uh, now while, now the, the Washington Post and New York Times are writing about it and confirming that it's true all of a sudden. I think it has a lot to do with Biden's uh, historically uh, awful uh, 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 poll numbers and his his uh, his unpopularity, but the the Hunter Biden laptop. Why why is that? Why is that story important? It's important because it confirms that Hunter Biden took something like forty million dollars from Chinese Communist Party affiliated uh, companies and interest 
uh, from from our biggest adversary. And Absolutely. It, it also shows again that he commingled his. He, he had a joint bank account with his father. We we knew all along that he was he was peddling access to his dad when his dad was the vice president. And and here he is taking money, a joint bank account, and then remember, always remember he, that the ten percent that was being taken off the top, Congressman. The guys. So I think thank these you, are important. Thank you so much for thank you, Congressman, for coming on and uh, keep speaking out for America. And God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, before we go to break, I understand Ed Cox is calling in from the West Coast to tell us uh, what he knows. Ed Cox, are you there? I sure am, John. Tell us, and, we've uh, got two minutes before we have to go to a, the break. Tell us, and, what's what, what's going on that we haven't talked about? Well, look, in redistricting, we just had a great victory yesterday. The radical partisan gerrymander done by the Democrats in Albany uh, failed at the trial court level. They appealed. They've just failed at the intermediate appellate court level. And uh, because it's completely evidentiary, uh, I think that's the ball game. We're going to have new maps for our members of Congress that are fair maps, and every voter will get a fair so, shake here rather than so being far, gerrymandered. So far, we won. We won for the uh, uh, for the Congress. Uh, the Republicans won that there wasn't unfair, but lost for the Assembly and, and the Senate. So far, and so the Senate. Far. So does that mean will you appeal it, or will you take the congressional win, or are they going to appeal it? Well, we're taking the congressional uh, win. They're going to try and appeal it. They will not be successful for technical legal, legal reasons. Will you appeal uh, the assembly and will you appeal yes. the assembly and the Senate? Yes, that so, is getting appealed. Yes, so absolutely. it's definitely going to go to appeal. You bet, and that's a matter of law that we could win at the highest court. They cannot. Okay, Ed Cox, thank you for calling in. God bless you. Travel safe, and we'll talk again Monday. Uh, Thank you, John. Thank you. Let's go to the break, and when we come back, we're coming back with Vito Fasella. John well, we're back, and uh, TGIF, thank God it's Friday, and with us today is the borough president of the uh, borough of uh, Staten Island, uh, Vito Fasella. Uh, Mr. Fasella. What the heck is going on in Staten Island? Give us an update. Well, first, it's great to be with you, John, and everybody in the studio. It's always a pleasure, so thank you for having me on. And yeah, Staten Island is in, in pretty good shape. Uh, a lot of good things are happening. Um, you know, we're, the weather is getting better, so that's a good sign. I think we're finally easing our way out of all these COVID lockdowns, and folks just want to get their lives back together. Uh, like most parts of the city and state, we continue to be concerned about a lack of progress in Albany on things like bail reform that have led, unfortunately, to a, a spike in crime, as we've seen throughout the city. So we got to get our city back. we got to get our state back, and, and Staten Island can help you know, lead the way in that effort. And I understand May 3rd is coming up, and uh, it's the, the Ferry Hawks are going to play ball. You're looking There's forward a lot to that? Of, uh, of course. There's a lot of chatter almost every day. Something new is breaking on the Ferry Hawks, and you get a lot of excitement. Schools are reaching out. They want to send some of their students there, and, and May 3rd is going to be a, a really great beginning of a new book, a new chapter uh, for the people of Staten Island. Thanks to you, John, and your, your great team are making it work. So we're very happy 
and uh, looking forward to that May 3rd opening day. And, and we'll see if that new lady uh, picture we have, if she's going to pitch well. I'm looking forward to watching her on May 3rd. Hey, does she have as good uh, she, an arm as Margot, though? Well, Margot almost made the play. I'm, I, no, she did a great <laughs> job. That was like, I was like, oh, my God, that was a really good pitch that she did. Well, Vito Fasella, we're trying to find out who's going to throw out the first pitch because the mayor, the mayor is the mayor. He gets the first call, but you're you're the backup uh, first pitcher. I'm in the bullpen. You're in the bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll defer, John, to wherever you want. I'm sure whoever throws out the first pitch is going to be a great choice uh, because if you're making the decision, that's the way the world works in my in my mind. But as I say, overall, it's great. I mean, the young lady that you signed as a pitcher broke new ground. I think that's exciting. And uh, I hope she does very well and becomes a sort of a role model for so many other young women who may want to do the same thing. So we're looking forward to it. Well, Vito Fasella, thank you. And I look forward to being with you soon. And uh, God bless you. And God bless the people of Staten Island who voted for me when I ran. That's right. No One of my favorite boroughs. You won Staten Island, John. Yeah. Right. You could have been borough president, John. That's exactly right. And they would do it again in a heartbeat, John, because they know talent when they see it. And you well, got it. they voted. 70% of them voted for you. God bless you, and, and God yeah. bless Staten Island. Thank you so much, Vito. I'm a lucky guy. God Thank bless you. you. Have a great Bye-bye. weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Uh, the market went down 981 points. 81 points. And uh, one of the smartest guys I know that used to work with uh, Warren Buffett, uh, and his name is Paul Luntzis. Paul Luntzis, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thank you, John, for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I'm the president of Luntzis Asset Management, LLC. We're an SEC-registered investment advisor, and we manage customized portfolios for individuals. We buy individual securities, both stocks and various fixed-income securities for clients, customized to what their goals and objectives are. And uh, tell us... Give us your pulse on what the heck is going on. People are trying to figure it out. Is this uh, are interest rates going to go up a lot? Is this just a temporary Friday afternoon drop? Give us the pulse. Well, you know, John, the the market's been on a risk on. It's been risk on for a long time with declining interest rates, and it seems like. Periods like this with the Fed describing they're going to raise interest rates, perhaps 50 basis points. Powell said that today. And Jeremy Siegel said he thinks they should do 75. And Bullard, the St. Louis Fed, at the St. Louis Fed, has talked about doing it even in the prior Fed meeting. But they're going to meet May 3rd and 4th and decide what they're going to do, probably 50 basis points. But it's a confluence of a lot of different factors. Rising prices across the board, as you see in your grocery store business, supply chain issues globally, um, slowing global growth, economies are slowing, rising interest rates, the Fed's going to start reducing their balance sheet by either selling securities or not reinvesting maturing uh, securities, credit issues as rates are going up, um, governments have a lot of debt, a lot of companies have a lot of debt. So there's a lot of factors all coalescing and coming together now that are really making the markets nervous. Well, you know, it's, I guess it's going to make everybody's life miserable over the weekend thinking about what happened on Friday. Um, do, you, do you think that the Fed is serious or you think uh, uh, they're just uh, 
Just saying, because it's a long way to May 17th. May 17th, I think they uh, decide to increase it. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, John, the Fed's in a real difficult position. On the one hand, the middle class and many Americans are really suffering with the increases uh, in prices, whether it's gas, food, common things that they need to live, rents, home prices now, they're being squeezed out, they can't afford the new prices of homes. So on the one hand, they want to put a damper on inflation and attack it. On the other hand, to do that, they're going to have to stop or reduce demand significantly. And if they raise interest rates too high, too quickly, it could create a recession. And and that could be even worse. So they're in a real, real tough spot. And what I'd also point out with the stock market, valuation levels, you can be a really great business, but to be a great stock, you got to buy it right, as you've done over your career the last 60 years in real estate. And if you look at companies out there, Facebook, it's going from 900 billion to 420. I mean, four and 500 billion of market cap has vanished. Netflix just recently, the high was, you know, 700 billion. It's down to 215. I mean, a lot of these companies, it's not just the small tech guys. A lot of companies are really being valued. And what happens is when interest rates go up, the present value of future cash flows goes down. And what happens is these businesses need to be repriced. Now, the question is, how long is the Fed going to keep raising rates and how much are they going to raise them? And that's a real challenge. But I think they have to, John, because of where inflation is. All right. One last thing I want to say is the, the fact I've told the White House and I've told President Biden, if you if you open up North America oil, you'll come down 50 percent, down to 55 percent, down to 55 dollars a barrel or. The other, the other alternative to fight, fight inflation is just raise interest rates. And uh, Paul Lutzis, you know what that's going to do? It's going to raise the, the interest rates so high, nobody's going to be buying a house. The price of houses are going to fall. And, and, the, that, and Joe Biden is going to destroy the, the, the real estate industry. And that impacts, and that, Paul, it's uh, Richard Weinberg, and that impacts consumer confidence. Because when the value of your stock portfolio goes down, the value of your house goes down, you have less confidence in the economy and your future prospects, you spend less. No question. No question, Judge. And it's great to speak with you. I agree with that 100%. Confidence goes down when your stock market holdings go down, when your real estate values go down. But they're in a real conundrum. And But they have to try and put a, a stop on this inflation. And don't forget, the elections, as you both well know, are coming up, midterms in November. And they really need to try and put a clamp on inflation. But it's going to be a real challenge. And, and as we spoke earlier, John, oil and gas, gas prices have more than doubled. Uh, oil prices way up. A lot of that has been self-imposed, and I just don't understand it. Yes, uh, it's p- quite a problem. Paul Luntzis, thank you. Have a great weekend, even though we lost a few bucks uh, today. Uh, but, you know, what goes down sometimes comes up. That's right. Have yeah. a great— Thank you for well, having me. Happy you Easter. Celebrate happy, you celebrate Greek Easter, too. Another Greek. Well, happy Easter, and God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was interesting. Now, I understand we have two clips from uh, Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, no, for Sunday show. Let's play one of them. Who do we have first? Uh, do Johnny Ernst. Let's, uh, we pl- have Senator Jody Ernst, Jody Ernst on her opinion of what the heck is going on in the Ukraine. And let's put her on. The mistakes that Putin made is he almost had Germany and Turkey, which are NATO nations on his side, 
But Putin did so many dumb things that maybe even Turkey and, and Germany is back on our side. Am I wrong? No, you are not wrong. And what we have seen uh, since uh, Putin went into Ukraine and the indiscriminate bombings and killings and what we see as war crimes, it truly is a genocide. Uh, they are going in, these Russian soldiers, and just wiping out communities, innocent civilians, children, women, the elderly. Um, it's, it's just abhorrent. And because of those actions, all of these countries that might have at one time sided with Russia have said, enough, enough. This is absolutely ridiculous. They're not going to side with Russia. Uh, you've seen the NATO alliance pull together stronger than ever. And that's a good thing right now. We need everybody pulling together to push back against Vladimir Putin and his, his murderous tirade through Ukraine. Agreed. That was that was Senator Jody Ernst, and the full interview will be on Sunday morning on the Cats Roundtable, 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock Sunday morning. And now from the Democratic perspective, we have Governor Ed Rendell, former governor of Pennsylvania, and uh, Democratic National Chief, uh, uh, well, yeah, yeah. I'm tongue-tied, chairman. Let's, let's play a tidbit, and he'll be on Sunday's show, too. Let's play a tidbit. I publicly warned President Putin. I said, even if you have $100 billion in, in, in a Swiss account, doesn't matter. Look what mm-hmm. happened to Gaddafi. Look what happened to Saddam Hussein. You'll be right, they had all that money, too. Right? Yeah. yeah. They had that money. It doesn't mean anything. So I said, make, make whoever, whatever agents are listening to my show, and a lot of them do, make peace sooner. Stop killing people. Right. I mean, I, I think he has so poisoned the well uh, of world opinion. I'm not so sure that he can ever get back to where they were. Uh, but he certainly, if he goes on, continues killing people, uh, killing innocent civilians, I think he risks um, terrible consequences. And, again, the, the Russians are very good at not letting information into the country. But remember, these Russian soldiers are coming home in body bags. Their parents and their friends and their wives uh, and their husbands, they're learning about what went on at at the front. And they know now the war isn't going well. Um, So I think the, the whole thing is collapsing for Putin. But the problem is, as it collapses, he has to make his choice, cut his losses and suffer a somewhat humiliating defeat, or try to escalate by using chemical. Well, that was Governor Rendell, and he'll be on on Sunday between 9 and 10 I'd be on the Cats Roundtable. Well, then we're going to take a break, and I understand Dr. Michalos may have some breaking news. Do you know where? Uh... Yes, it basically he's going to let us know they've identified a gene that can make us live longer. It's uh, pretty incredible. He's got he's always got that new cutting edge insight that you don't want to miss. Oh my god, let's take the break and come right back with Dr. Mihalos. ABC. You're commuting home. With- 
with Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. So, Dr. Peter Mikolos, you always have the greatest news. You're a renaissance genius, and now... Scientists have identified a gene that will help us live longer. We all want that gene therapy. We, who's who's first? When, when do we get it? Yeah, who's first? I'm signing up right We're now. We're like hitting our veins right now. We're ready to go. Well, uh, <laughs> right now it's actually happening in China in the Chinese. Oh, oh. oh no! Oh, here we go. What a shocker that they're doing well, gene listen, therapy. They're the there. ones who invented uh, eyeglasses and some of the great inventors throughout history. And oh, Chinese right. scientists from the Institute of Zoology at the Chinese Academy of Sciences identified a gene called the CAT7 gene. That's with a K-A-T. CAT. Did you hear what the gene is called? CAT7. And the CAT7 gene was identified uh, as a driver of cellular aging of cells, and those are called senescent cells, and that they treated mice, and they saw that those mice treated with inactivation of this uh, gene lived 25% longer lives. So, you know, that could be pretty good. So instead of 75, you could live to be 100. Dr. Michalos, I will not trust it until a good Greek doctor confirms it. (laughs) Well, (laughs) the the data is actually pretty uh, good, and it's been peer-reviewed in the literature, and it's in the uh, translational uh, gene therapy uh, journal. And uh, interrupting this CAT7 gene may represent a target for developing medicines in the future to slow aging which would slow disease and death. And as I've said before on Cat's Roundtable, we need to recognize um, that uh, aging is a disease, and uh, attacking this Cat7 gene will uh, will actually, uh, it seems, to turn off uh, some of the bad uh, things that are happening and uh, in the aging process and will slow the, the, the rate of aging. The other interesting thing is uh, stem cell facials. And I saw, you know, two people that I knew, and I saw their faces really look better. And I started asking questions, and these women who had some wrinkles, and they started disappearing, and they That's looked better. And they went to uh, <laughs> at stem cell facials that they're using for mesenchymal stem cells that they collect from liposuction cases that are donated. And uh, there's a, a therapist, uh, uh, esthetician Veronica Taylor out in uh, Southampton, skinned by Veronica, who I asked, and I just asked, started asking questions, and they're actually doing these uh, stem cells that may help the body regrow damaged uh, tissue in the skin and regenerating skin cells and reducing wrinkles, which is fascinating. And the other thing... Is that like uh, a vampire facial? And is this is using donated no, stem cells? No, these are donated from uh, liposuction cases, and then they Can I suck the, the fat out of my own body and slather it on my face and uh, look younger? Uh, yeah, well, that would be the dream come true. I'll do it all over my body. Is, uh, not the hard part. It's actually gathering and collecting. <laughs> that's the expensive part. And then the other thing that's happening right now is a lot of people with knee tears, rotator cuff tears, they're getting these uh, stem cell now injections and infusions uh, that doctor we talked about, Chadwick Prodromos, they're doing it offshore now in Antigua because it's not allowed here yet in the United States, but some people are getting amazing results, including one fellow named Tony Robbins, that new book, Life Force, he talks about his shoulder tear. They told him he'd never be able to raise his arm again. He'd have to have major surgery. He got the stem cells, and then he was better in a matter of weeks and he's going around and he's donating the proceeds of his new book, but uh, it's really happening, and some very prominent 
people that we know have gone and are getting these therapies, and it's going to change the way medicine is done. Regenerative medicine is becoming a great new specialty. And if I didn't see it with my own eyes, some of these people, you know, I, and I'm fascinated, and I'm just looking into it more, and we'll report on it more in the future on WABC. Try to keep our audience uh, healthy, but this exciting news with these genes interrupting genes that'll make us live longer is really amazing, and uh, you know we'll have better quality of life because aging is associated with Alzheimer's, heart disease, and even dying from COVID. So if we slow the aging down, we're less likely to die of these other diseases. I'm sure there's a key, there's a button someplace that our creators uh, have, and we. Until we actually find that button, and maybe this is part of the button. Yeah. You know? Well, this is one of the buttons. That's why they studied a disease that causes genetic aging called progeria, where you see people age like super fast, and that's how they targeted to look in those patients, and they found this CAT7 gene. And there are buttons, and it's not just one button. It seems to me maybe maybe about 10 buttons, but this is one of the major buttons that seems to add 25%. They're going to start testing primates and monkeys and humans in the next five years. So hopefully I'm trying to live long enough to be a benefit of these things. We can squeeze out a few more years. and uh... Now, when we, we're talking about, you know, me and you on a, a, the same diet, 16 to 8 hours of not eating, now, and we're trying to make a differential between our calendar age and our uh, biological, biological, age, biological age. age. And you have a lot of friends and you monitor things. How much is the biggest difference you've seen so far between calendar and biological? Uh, a 52-year-old who's 32 years old. Who That's only 20 years. What did that person do? We need to know. <laughs> well, they only eat one meal a day, and they take some of the they on some of the anti-aging compounds like Dr. David Sinclair. They talk about resveratrol found in uh, in wow. red wine, and also olive oil. The oleic acid turns out to be one of the most powerful anti-aging that's things. That's why the people years. have Sardinia, a, Icaria, Greece, age. and Loma Linda, California. They eat a lot of avocados. Avocados have tons of oleic acid, which is a powerful anti-aging. Compound and there's other things like metformin, an old diabetes drug that they're using now for anti-aging. And people who take metformin died had less death from COVID, and they also had 23% overall less cancer during their lifetime. Wow! So there are things that are available now, and that's why there's a whole new specialty of anti-aging and regenerative medicine and integrative medicine beyond doctor, what our normal doctor visits. We're Thank out you, of time. Everyone, I want to wish you. I want another great. <laughs> I want to wish you a happy Easter, and uh, God bless you. And, how do you uh, say it in Greek? Christos so, I mean, Anesti. Yes. And uh, our two uh, hard-working Democrats in the studio, Judge uh, uh, Weinberg, Judge Richard Weinberg, the Governor David Patterson, thank you all, and my Albanian sidekick, <laughs> Lydia Serrano. Skin by Veronica. I'll, I'll do, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I know, I'll volunteer okay, myself to I do mean, the uh, facial. Okay. Me? <laughs> I, I want. I, I want to have okay. those. Tw- I want to have those twenty years in biological age. God bless. God bless New York. God bless America. And thank you all. Have everybody have a great weekend. Thank you.